Hey, whether you enjoy listening to Breaking Down Collapse or Building Up Resilience, I think you'll also really enjoy our bonus content on Patreon. Yeah, Kellen and I take 20 minutes each week to talk about the news that's happening all around us and Collapse as it plays out. We like to have a little fun with it, but also make sure that you're aware of what's going on in the world of Collapse. We look forward to having you join us there. The link to join us on Patreon is in the episode description. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Folks, I just got to say, if you've got to have a friend, you should have a friend like Kellen, because Kellen just spent the last hour and a half helping me design my basement and the electrical I'm going to be putting down here. Uh, I'm trying to finish my basement right now, and I know nothing about it. And Kellen is a wonderful example of someone who knows a lot of things. And he also just ordered me a pop filter on Amazon, which is something that I'm just too lazy to do. I've been thinking about doing it for like the last three months, and, uh, and he finally just went ahead and did it for me. You know, you're right. I am a good friend, aren't I? The best. So this is uh, Breaking Down Collapse, but this is a bonus episode. This is not the regular run of the mill. As you can tell, this probably came out on a Friday, and you're used to episodes coming out on a Wednesday. We decided this week to to do a bonus episode, and as a matter of fact, we actually do these bonus episodes every week, but there's something that we do as a thank you to our Patreon supporters. Yeah, these bonus episodes that we've been doing and sending to our supporters on Patreon have been a lot of fun because I feel like we're able to be ourselves a little bit more. I feel like we laugh a lot, we sometimes go on tangents our personality shows through maybe a little bit more than in the typical episodes and it's less about teaching something and more about simply discussing events that are going on currently yeah that's right we try and keep these a little bit more chill you know our main episodes are more structured we try and really make sure that we're doing a ton of research and presenting maybe a new idea in each of those in these ones we just want to have a conversation, right? It's just Kellen and I kind of kicking it, talking about recent events, things that are happening on the news or different articles that have been posted on Reddit. And like Kellen said, um, we just we just joke around a little bit more and also talk a little bit more about, you know, behind the scenes of the podcast and things like that. So this week, we decided to just share the bonus episode with everybody. And, uh, you know, if you like what you hear and you're not already a patron, feel free to join us. It's five bucks a month on Patreon. So we do one of these a week. We're talking something, what's that, a buck twenty-five per episode. And that's on top of the content that we already provide every week. So anyway, we really appreciate our patrons. And we actually do plan on adding some new things as well to Patreon. We have a we have a $5 tier, 
a $10 tier and a $20 tier right now. They're all pretty much the same. In the past, we didn't really offer any bonus content. We just recently started doing these. This is our third week. And in the future, we're going to add some other things as well to, to provide even more value for joining us on the higher tiers as well. Yeah, I know you and I put a lot of effort into doing the research and recording these episodes. And really, these bonus episodes are meant as a thank you. We really, really appreciate everyone who's trying to support us through Patreon. And I think it's worth clarifying a little bit. I know we said like these are a lot more casual, less structured, these bonus episodes. That's true, but it's not like we're just shooting the breeze, right? We're not just sitting around talking about nothing. I think it's a fun mix because we'll identify something like an article about a current event directly related to collapse. And that's kind of the foundation for our conversation. And unlike our main episodes, which we release two or three weeks after we actually record them, these ones are released within three days. So we usually record these on a Tuesday night. We'll release them on a Friday after I've had the chance to make sure they're edited. And so the content is much more current and recent. And in this case today, we're actually going to touch on some stuff that's about a month old. So this is a little bit different, but typically it will be an event or an article from just the last week. So Kellen, did you have the chance to read the article that I sent you for this week? Honestly, no. I read a description of it and I read some of the Reddit comments about it, but I figure you're going to teach me what you learned from it anyways. But I do know it's some sort of a leaked report from what? It's like the, the ICPC or the ICPP. ICPP? <laughs> <laughs> no, I do not see PP. <laughs> I am fully clothed down here, ladies and gentlemen. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> That takes me back to elementary school. I don't know if you remember this when kids would be like, hey, spell I cup. No, <laughs> I don't know what that is. Try it. Spell I cup. Nope. I see it. Not, <laughs> not... <laughs> Good one. That's when you say I see you pee and I say you are so gross. <laughs> so it's the IPCC, the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change. Got it. And yeah, it's a leak of the report that actually came out by the IPCC, which is supposed to come out in 2022. But a news agency in France actually got a hold of it. They wouldn't say who their source was, but they got a hold of it. They read through the report and they gave their assessment on it. And is there any chance that it's fabricated? In a situation like this, I'm always a little bit skeptical because maybe when the report comes out, it looks totally different than what was leaked. Um, no, I, I, I don't think so. You know, they, the, the ICPP, <laughs> I cannot say it right now. Now that you've said it wrong, I can't get it right. The IPCC was confronted about this and said, Hey, do you have any comment on this? And all they would say is we don't comment on ongoing drafts of our reports, which was basically admission. I think if it was fake, they would have been like, no, this is absolutely not the report that we are writing up right now. This is fake. You know, when I think of information that gets leaked, that's a real attention grabber, usually it's like some big blockbuster movie and a segment of it gets leaked because everyone's waiting on the edge of their seat to go see this movie. Or in some cases, it's really sensitive information, you know, matters of national security, and that gets a lot of attention. But maybe I'm just not part of the crowd that sits around waiting on the edge of my seat for the release of the IPCC report. So I'm just intrigued to hear what it is about this report. That's so groundbreaking. Yeah. And I don't think anybody was uh, necessarily sitting on the edge of their seat because usually when these reports come out, they're very reserved, kind of conservative in their estimates. It's, I think you just expect to hear the same old, same old, we need to cut back emissions. If we don't, like it will be rough for us in the year 2100. And that's how the IPCC has always been. It's sort of that scientific reticence that we've talked about 
you know, in, in one of our first episodes. But this time, it, it was different. There was a lot of things that are really different about this report. And some of them were pretty shocking in the types of blunt language that the ICPP, uh, that the IPCC uses <laughs> to, to explain climate change uh, and, and where we're at. So normally these reports come out every seven to eight years. So it's been a while since the last one. And this one was around 4,000 pages long. And we don't know exactly how long or exactly what the contents of the final version will be. The articles that I read seem to think there wasn't going to be a lot of major changes. Part of me wonders, after all of the attention that this one's got, and if they've received any kickback, if they will kind of scale back. But um, I, I really hope not, because this was, to me, really awesome to see. You're telling me you think it's really awesome that they used extremely alarming language. It is, yeah, because it was more honest. You know, it's not awesome that it's happening. It's not awesome that they needed to do that. But it is awesome that they have finally stopped saying, we can reverse this at any time. We've got 80 years until there's any real major disruptions. Um, and we'll talk about what some of the things they said are and what language they used. But it's it's definitely got a different feel to it. And, uh, and hopefully it will land more in a way that will drive people to make changes. I'm not going to say that I'm hopeful that that will be the case. I don't think that the necessary changes are going to be made. But at the very least, science can now say, we tried, we warned you, right? Probably too little too late, but at least they're catching up. So how much of it was leaked? All of it. Oh, wow. Yeah. So not to the public. The public doesn't have access to all 4,000 pages. It was just leaked to this French news source. It was called AFP. And they basically read through it. I don't know if they read all 4,000 pages or how they did that, but then they made a summary of what the key takeaways were, and they presented that to us in these articles. Okay, that makes sense. So speaking of alarming language, what was it from the leaked portion of this report that caught everyone's attention? Yeah, so like I said, it's a lot of things. Um, it wasn't just the, the type of language or the tone that they used, but a lot of the um, the figures and, and the numbers and, and things like that. But when it comes to the actual language, there's a few things. So the article in reference to the report said that this is by far the most comprehensive catalog ever assembled of how climate change is upending our world. The report reads like a 4,000-page indictment of humanity's stewardship of the planet. And the report itself was quoted as saying, Life on Earth can recover from a drastic climate shift by evolving into new species and creating new ecosystems. Humans cannot. So they're literally saying life may go on after climate change, but human life may not be able to survive it, which is a pretty hefty statement for a scientific panel to make. So another cool thing they did was that they corrected past misconceptions and errors that they themselves had sort of made in their reports. So the report talks about how a decade ago, scientists believed that limiting global warming to 2C, to 2 Celsius higher, would be enough to safeguard the future. And also the earlier models had predicted that Earth-altering climate change was not likely before 2100. But they're now saying in this report that warming even beyond 1.5 degrees Celsius could produce progressively serious, centuries-long, and in some cases, irreversible consequences. So they're basically saying, yep, science was wrong before in saying that we had till 2100 before things got really bad, wrong in saying that even at 2C, 2 Celsius, we might be okay. Now we're saying one and a half degrees Celsius is already bonkers. And right now we're at 1.1 to 1.2 degrees Celsius. And we're already starting to see the crazy things that are happening. You know, it used to be that they would claim that at one and a half degrees Celsius, that, that that was the viable goal for us to get to. And now the article mentions that the World Meteorological Organization projects a 40% chance that Earth will cross the one and a half degree Celsius threshold for at least one year by 2026. 
So in the next five years, there's a 40% chance that we pass the one and a half degree Celsius threshold at least one year. And this is something that they used to think we could hold ourselves to by 2100. And I'll just jump in and say that it feels like there are so many crazy things happening right now. You look at all the flooding that's happening in Germany, and at least from all the articles that I'm seeing about it, it's saying that's a direct result of climate change. You're seeing all the wildfires in the United States and in other areas. I think I saw that there's like 180 of those fires burning currently, and they burn millions of acres. And I'm trying to get a sense for where my head is at in relation to all of this in comparison to the general public. You know, we've talked in the past about echo chambers and how all of our media outlets and social media, it's all designed to put this stuff in front of you that it knows you want to see. And so I'm seeing tons of articles now on climate change and all these awful things that are happening and what that means for our future. And as I'm reading these, I'm thinking like, man, the world must be really waking up to all of this. But when I take a step back, maybe I'm only seeing those articles because I've been researching this kind of thing as a direct result of the podcast. So I guess it just makes me wonder, is this leaked report getting widespread attention? And maybe you don't know this, but is it just something that this niche group of our collapse on Reddit is seeing? Or is it something that you think is waking people up and helping open their eyes? I think in between, uh, I don't think it's waking people up to it that weren't aware already, especially because when you go to someone and you're like, hey, the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change just came out with this damning report, you know, people aren't going to be like, oh, tell me all about it. Suddenly, I believe in climate change. You know, it when it's something like this, I think it is something that uh, people who are already aware of it are paying attention to, and people who aren't paying attention to it are ignoring it. If they're going to deny climate change, they're already denying it, right? But it's also far outside of just our collapse, because there are millions and tens of millions and hundreds of millions of people around the world who believe in climate change. So I think um, people who are paying attention to climate change itself, not necessarily, you know, collapse as a whole or this idea that society is going to collapse. It's more just if, if people are aware of climate change and they're paying attention, they probably saw this report. And maybe it did jar some people who are in the whole camp of, we're fine, we have till 2100. You know, my my great-grandchildren might have to suffer this, but me and my kids will be fine to, to realize, like, oh, I trust the IPCC. And so, you know, their, their tone shift means that my tone should shift as well. So on that note, do you think there's anything that could be said that would wake people up? You know, people that are climate change deniers or people that really don't care about a leaked report like this because in this report like you said they're essentially saying we can't survive climate change if it unfolds the way that we're anticipating so like you said you can't really get much stronger in your language than that which makes me think maybe there's nothing they could say no matter how intense or extreme or terrifying that would get people to listen that aren't listening already and i don't think there is i mean you think about covid and you had fauci right standing in front of the world saying, this is important, you need to wear your mask, you need to get a vaccine, and people will deny it on their deathbed as they're taking their last breath, right, from from COVID. And it's not that way for everybody, right? Some people would get it, and they would get it really bad, and then they would turn around and say, okay, I was an idiot. Yes, I should have got vaccinated. And so I think for most people, they won't they won't accept it until it's hitting them directly, whether that's hitting them in the pocketbook hitting them in you know their pantry. But even then, some people will deny it. And I think even then, a lot of the really denialists are, are, are just going to say, 
more of what they're saying already. Yeah, okay, the climate changes, but it doesn't mean it was us that made that change. And it doesn't mean I should give some liberal a bunch of money because they think they're going to fix it. They're just going to raise my taxes to go, you know, whatever. And that's kind of the negative impact of greenwashing. How it became politicized is you had one party saying, we need more money to fix this problem. And the other side saying, you just want my money. So as things get worse, I honestly don't really see at least the most severe of deniers changing at all. We've talked about how collapse is going to result in political problems, in economic problems, and a lot of the issues that are going to show themselves are going to manifest themselves that way instead of as just a climate problem. I think it's easy enough for people to frame it however they want to frame it, and I think they will frame it from a political standpoint. And you know, something you said was interesting because you talked about all the calamities that are happening right now. And the report actually kind of talks about that. It says, in the more immediate future, some regions and coastlines almost everywhere could be battered by multiple climate calamities all at once. Droughts, heat waves, cyclones, wildfires, flooding. And I think it's interesting because of what you just mentioned. They're talking about this thing happening in the future. And pretty much everything in that list is happening right now. And I actually just saw an article on reddit that was really interesting and hit this on the head so this was an article that was posted today and the article was titled extreme weather emerges worldwide as floods burst dams and fires ravage forests and then it just goes on to list out all of these simultaneous disasters and i'm just going to read a couple of them so catastrophic outbreaks of extreme weather have been reported on four continents in one day Germany and lowland Europe are attempting to recover from last week's devastating floods, where at least 160 people are now believed to have died in the country's worst natural disaster in half a century. In Belgium, 31 have been declared dead by the floods and more than 160 are still missing. In Oregon and California, a massive bootleg fire has already burned an area roughly the size of Los Angeles. And by the way, this article was released yesterday. That fire today merged with another fire and uh, it's burned something like 400,000 acres now when yesterday it was at like 300,000. So it's just exploding. Similar scenes in northern regions of Russia. Smoke from wildfires forced the airport of the Siberian city of Yakutsk to shut down and choked 50 other nearby towns and settlements. Russian officials said they are the worst fires in 150 years. In China, a weekend of unusually heavy downpours caused the collapse of two dams at reservoirs serving the inner Mongolian city of Halunbyur. Uh, bad pronunciation there. The dams were completely swept away, inundating nearby fields and rushing down motorway lanes. In India, 35 people were killed as monstrous seasonal monsoon rains fell nationwide, triggering landslides and house collapses. It's also hit the Southern Hemisphere, where a state of emergency was declared in the Buller District on the west coast of New Zealand, South Island, which was hit by severe flooding with thousands evacuated from their homes. And then it ends all that by saying, are these extreme weather outbreaks linked to climate change? <laughs> and I just laughed at that. Like, I hope they're asking that super ironically because, duh. But it just shook me that all of those things are happening. We're happening on one day all over the world. And it's, it's basically exactly what the ICPP, IPCC... What's wrong with me? <laughs> We're going to take some of these out. The IPCC had predicted was going to happen in the future, and it's already here. Could you just pronounce the name of that Mongolian town again? I take back what I said about Kellen being a good friend. <laughs> Holenbeer? If anybody is uh, familiar with Mongolian city pronunciations, shoot me a message or like a voice chat or something with, uh, with the correct pronunciation. You know, you talked about how the end of that article says, could it be possible that these are all linked to climate change? And you laughed at that and said, well, duh. On the other hand, I saw an article about the flooding in Germany, and it kept saying things like, scientists are trying to see 
how this could be connected to climate change, or researchers are investigating and, and looking for how this might be a result of climate change. And when I read things like that, even though I'm very convinced of climate change and we've had all these conversations that we've had, it makes that skeptical side of me come out. You know, if I have something go missing from my house, for me to say, I'm looking into how this is my neighbor's fault and how it's possible that he stole it. That seems like the wrong approach to take. So anyways, I think people just have to be careful in how they tie every extreme weather event directly to climate change. And I think they normally do a pretty good job of saying there's no way to specifically tie any one weather event and say this was directly caused by climate change. But they can say something like um, these one in a thousand year events are now more likely to happen once every 20 years. And there's a good chance that this has happened when it did because of climate change. And that seems to be the way that, that it's usually framed. We can't always say, oh, yeah, there's a fire here. And so climate change. Right. But it's obvious that the increased frequency and the fact that all these things are happening simultaneously and it's getting worse and worse every year, it's obvious that that's due to climate change. But you make a valid point. So jumping back to the report, another thing that it corrected was that in the past, the IAPCC has not discussed tipping points. The article talked about how tipping points are often left out of reports and models because they're difficult to quantify. And the ICCP, nope, and the IPCC has been criticized for not including them before, but this time it highlighted them as some of the biggest threats to come with climate change and they identified 12 different potential tipping points to watch out for. I'm curious if it lists those because I know we've talked about a handful of tipping points, but there's probably some there that I'm not even aware of. It didn't list all 12. I think we'll have to wait for the report to come out. Um, I know a couple of them were the Amazon um, flipping and becoming a carbon emitter instead of a carbon sink. And also like Siberian permafrost melts and how that can release methane, which then increases warming. I also would be interested to see what the 12 are that they talk about. And in 4,000 pages, you know, I'm hoping that they, they list them out specifically and, and give some background on each one and where they feel that we're at with each one. But I also think it's important to point out that while their language here is more abrupt and more blunt, I think they are still being a little conservative when it comes to a lot of what the collapse community thinks is going to happen and how it's going to happen. And so while it's really awesome to see them step it up, I think there is still more to go. And of course, everything that they say to a more certain, you know, higher level of certainty where people in the collapse community are feel way more liberated to just say whatever they want. But anyway, that's just to say that um, they're not perfect yet, but it's getting better. They were more pessimistic on the future damage that's going to be caused by climate change. They discussed species extinction, widespread disease, unlivable heat, ecosystem collapse, coastal cities harassed by rising seas, and all of those things it talked about happening before a child today being born would turn 30. So they're saying like in the next 30 years, we're going to start seeing a lot of this, this stuff happen. The article said that the report suggests that impacts are likely to be much closer than people realize. And according to the article, it said the challenges it highlights are systemic woven into the very fabric of daily life. They're also deeply unfair. Those least responsible for global warming will suffer disproportionately. It said it warns that previous major climate shocks dramatically altered the environment and wiped out most species, raising the question of whether humanity is sowing the seeds of its own demise. Talked about how tens of millions more people will face chronic hunger by 2050, 130 million more will experience extreme poverty just within this decade. Talked about how by 2050, hundreds of millions will face risks from floods and storm surges on the coasts. At 1.5 degrees, 350 million people will be exposed to water scarcity from severe droughts and 410 million people at 2 degrees. 
It also said that 420 million people exposed to lethal temperatures in heat waves by 2050. The last thing it said was that adaptation costs for Africa are projected to increase by tens of billions of dollars per year with warming greater than two degrees. And that's on a continent that can probably not afford tens of billions of dollars in increases in infrastructure costs. Man, I hear all that and I'm just not ready for it. We talk so much about collapse and how that can manifest itself in so many different ways and over such an extended period of time and that it will take a long time to reach rock bottom. But I think in my mind, I've just been sitting here with the perspective of like, hey, most of my life is going to be relatively normal. Things will gradually get a little bit harder. But if they're accurate and they're forecasting and we're seeing some of those things that you mentioned, they said will happen within this decade. You know, for me, that makes me feel a lot of urgency to get more prepared. Yeah. And it's funny that you mentioned that because the last piece that I had here to talk about with the article was that the IPCC, the last big thing that was different about this time was that they sort of reverse their viewpoint on our ability to go back to fix everything. One part of the report says that climate change will fundamentally reshape life on Earth in the coming decades, even if humans can tame planet warming greenhouse gas emissions. So they're saying even if we cut down on the emissions at this point, a lot of this stuff is irreversible and life-changing. Another quote directly from the report is that current levels of adaptation will be inadequate to respond to future climate risks. So they're just flat out saying we're not doing enough. And yeah, I agree with you. It makes me feel like I'm not doing enough to be prepared And I mean, that's a whole other topic. We've talked about what it means to be prepared and and what it would take to get there. It's not just shoving some food in a storage closet, you know, and and I've I've had a lot of thoughts about that lately and about what what does it mean to help your community become more prepared? How do you build a resilient community? I've looked for frameworks on it that exist. I've looked for different people who have put together some sort of steps or ideas or, or, or a book on what that looks like. And so far, I have not found anything. So I actually, you know, with the thousands of people that are listening to this right now, if anyone knows of something like that, they could reach out and let me know because that's actually something that I'm getting a little more serious about trying to discover or come up with is what is a good framework for how to help people make their communities more resilient? I mean, I'd appreciate it since I'm in your community. You are my community. (laughs) I'm flattered. That was that was a little more sentimental than I wanted it to come <laughs> off. <laughs> okay, so this report, I'm thinking back to middle school when I would be told by a teacher, you have to write this paper and it has to be three pages long. And I might make the margins really big. Double space it. Yeah, double space it. Increase the font size. Right. But just a little bit. Not so much you get caught. Go from like 12 to 13. Exactly. And by the way, I pride myself in being a fast typer. In middle school, I think I was one of the fastest. Dude, I actually remember me and you uh, were in the same class and we each got one of those little keychains that the teacher gave out when you could hit 72 words per minute. Do you remember that? (laughs) I don't remember that, but, but I still carry the pride of knowing that I was one of the fastest. Well, I was right there with you. But anyway, besides the point. I was probably faster. We can have a contest after. (laughs) Anyways, 4,000 pages. Like, I don't know what their font size is or how spaced out the lines are or anything like that. But regardless, that takes a lot of time and work. So is this something that they've just been working on for years? Or is it just a really large collection of people that are each contributing to this report? Do you know anything about that? So I don't know a ton about exactly what it's made up of. I know that... um, 
It's hundreds or thousands of scientists from around the world. It's intergovernmental um, that, that, that cooperates in on it. So anyway, I don't know how they contribute. You know, does everybody write a page? Do, do they all submit a bunch of information to a smaller number of people who put it all together into, a, um, into the document? Have they been writing this since the, the end of the last one? And has that slowly been changing over the, the, you know, the most recent years? I really don't know. It might be something to look up and chat about later. But um, once again, if anybody knows more about the IPCC process for coming up with their reports, um, feel free to, to reach out and let us know. I know that there was some information on their website. I can go back and read that um, after and get back to you. I think the main gist of why this report matters is that it's a credible source saying very alarming things. And it sounds like maybe in the past, they've been much more conservative in their estimates, much more reserved in the way that they present their findings. And they've gotten to the point where they're not okay with that anymore. Yeah, it very well could be. And I think it will be interesting to see what the final report comes out as, what the feedback is on that. And, you know, do they continue to be more brazen in the future? You know, by the time their next report comes out in another seven or eight years, we could have well passed 1.5 degrees Celsius already and be well on our way to two. And that is terrifying that it could all be that close. So just as a as a parting uh, sort of thought here, this episode has been a little bit longer. Um they're going to fluctuate these bonus ones. Sometimes it's a shorter article. We don't have a ton of things to say. Sometimes they're going to be longer like this, but I know me and Kellen enjoy doing them. And again, it's just a way to say thank you to those who are willing to spend a few bucks a month to support us, help us upgrade our equipment, help us cover the costs of the editing software, the host software, and hopefully allow for us to put even more time and attention into this in the future. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.